Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. Excellent. It's great to be together. I'm so excited to be all here in one room and welcome to everybody online. So nice to, uh, to be all together. I'm uh, David Bonnet and uh, by my accent you might hear that I'm not fully Canadian yet. I'm working on it. I'm originally from France, and um, I'm married to Joanne, who is from Northern Ireland, and we have a baby girl who is two and a half years old, and she is Canadian. And so she's perfection, right? Funny story, I, she's, uh, she's correcting me on my accent now. She's two and a half. Six months ago, I was teaching her French or English, I'm reading books, and she stopped me in the middle of reading to say, Daddy, no, not lullaby, lullaby. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Two and a half, which helped me understand that my level of English is probably out of two years old. I'm working my way to a three years old, but she's way ahead of the game, you look like. But that's, that's my pure joy to be a father. And... Um, here uh, at Cash Fire, I'm the pastor of the School of Ministry, and it's, a, it's really a passion of mine to see people coming from all over the world, to encounter God, to be transformed, to change the world when they go back home. But the topic we're going to talk about today is really central to what we do at the School of Ministry. So in a few minutes, I'm going to play a video um, to summarize what we talked about last week. Mel Rogato did an outstanding job on her teaching, if you haven't watched it. Uh, if you were not here online, you can watch it. Um, but we're going to play a video in a few minutes that summarizes her talk and uh, is very much what we do at the School of Ministry. Um, but yeah, I, uh, as a pastor of the School of Ministry, as a husband, as a father of uh, my daughter, I think one of my favorite things um, that brings the most joy in my heart is when I uh, spend time with my daughter, when she, uh, to see her growing and changing and uh, Two weeks ago, again, she was saying something. I'm like, man, the way she changed, I think I'm in trouble and I need your help, guys. You need to help. How I'm going to do that as a father. Two or three days ago, I was putting her in bed and, you know, I was like, okay, now it's time, it's time to sleep. That is going to go. We read a story, we prayed and, uh, I said, good night, kiss her, good night, go leave the room. And I hear that, that sweet voice. Saying, Daddy, Daddy, because I love you so much, could you stay a bit longer? I, I, I tell you, my heart melted so much. I jumped back. I was like, sure, what do you want? Read a book, sing a song? And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm like, I'm in trouble. She's two and a half. Where are we going with that, you know? But it's the best thing in the world, hearing your little girl calling your name. And... Um, Another one was, I think last week or the week before, she, um, to her nanny and, and other people, I heard her f- for the first time speaking about her daddy. And like, I mean, like three times within 30 minutes. Well, my daddy, and she started to talk about me, or can I see my daddy? I want to see my daddy now. And you're in a different room. You listen to her speaking about her daddy. And you just undone. There's nothing more precious to that. 
Um, so that's, that's a big part of uh, who, who I am, what I do, and, and what I love to do. But I need your help because being a father nowadays seems more challenging than it's ever been. So it's a bit of a funny uh, thing, but I wanted to read to you the difference between, between parenting in 2020, in 2021, and parenting in the 80s or 70s. And th this world is getting more complex. We have so access to so much information that you feel that the pressure is on on how to raise a kid. We know way too much about how we work emotionally, how we grow, how we messed up before and stuff. And it feels like the way I got raised was a bit simpler. So I'm going to give you like the 2021 version of parenting versus in the 70s and the 80s perspective on parenting. Remember, it's a joke, right? 2021, make sure your children's academic, emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, physical, nutritional, and social needs are met while being careful not to overstimulate, understimulate, and properly medicate helicopter or neglect them in a, on a, in a screen-free, processed food-free, GMO-free, negative energy-free, plastic-free, body-positive, socially conscious, egalitarian, but also authoritative, nurturing but fostering of a dependence, gentle but not overly permissive, pesticide-free, two-story, multilingual home, Preferably in a cul-de-sac with a backyard and 1.5 siblings spaced at least two years apart for proper development. And also don't forget the coconut oil. You know, all these things you add nowadays to make sure everything is healthy. I think in the 70s, from what I understand, or the 80s, parenting was about feeding your kids sometimes. And I, I feel the pressure. I'm always like, screen time, not too much, too much. Is it too strong the way I talk to her? Not enough, you know. But it's all good, guys. I think it's because the world's improving. We're so much more aware of what healthy behavior is and stuff like that. So that's my heart. As a father, being a father is, is my big honor because I, um, okay. Um, just got a message, the video is not going to play, but that's okay. Um, my, my honor as a father is that the more I grow in my faith with God, the more I realize that my role to my daughter, it's a huge representation of what God wants to be to us. And the way my heart melts when she said, Daddy, because I love you, could you stay a bit longer? I know that's the way the father feels when I'm like, Daddy, I want to spend more time with you. When, when I hear my daughter speaking to others and saying, well, my daddy, I know that when we talk to each other about the father, when we speak about Jesus to each other, when we speak ab about God to one another, the father's heart is looking at each one of us and bursting with love and being so proud and, and very much listening and caring for every word that come out of your mouth. When you speak about God, you don't have like a, a, a God that is far away watching you and seeing, you know, what you do right or what you do wrong. 
is a father who is caring for you, is loving you, is loving each one of us. The goal of my talk this morning is, um, I entitled this, this sermon, The Fight Over Who We Are and Whose We Are. And this month's theme has been identity, huge topic, very passionate about it. But identity can't be dealt with. You can't address the question of identity without speaking about the Father. And it's not just a spiritual, biblical truth that we're going to look. It is biblical. But finally, in the society we live in where we're way more aware of human development and healthy behavior and all of this, the role of a father in the development of a kid, it's a, there's tons of studies and it's very clear that there's a specific role that the father play in a child's life. And one of the specific things the father does is to define the identity of a child. As a, as a kid, when you grow up, what your father is saying over you define what you're going to believe about you. And I know it's not a black and white science of the role of the mother, the role of the father. And uh, for all the single dad or single mom in the room, I, I just want to give an ovation this morning to you guys who play both roles. You speak identity over you, your kids and, and the nurturing love as well. It's, a, it's an outstanding role you're playing. But I have to say that as a, as a father, the word you speak over you, your child or the word you're not speaking over the, your child is going to define what your child is going to believe about himself or herself as an adult. And I didn't make that up. You can research it. You can look. There's, there's um, psychological studies about it. But it's not new. If you look at the Bible, you find that truth in there. And of course, our model is Jesus. He's the best. He's, he's the perfect example of what it's like to live a perfect life. Jesus, I love Jesus. I, don't you love Jesus? When you, when you read the story of Jesus, it's not only that he was willing to die on the cross to reconcile us with God. It's, 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 it's even more than that. It's, you see a son that loves his father. And because he see the love of his father for humanity, is willing to sacrifice himself, to go through the cross, to restore the relationship between the Father and the creation. He has a beautiful heart. When you look, he's full of grace and compassion. But here's what I want to say about Jesus today, is Jesus is our model. What God decided to do when he came as a man, he decided not to live as God, but to live as human. He took away his divinity, but he was fully man and fully God, but he didn't use his power as God. He, Jesus decided to be just like you and I with one difference. He, he modeled to us what it's like to live a life redeemed by God. 
What I mean is that if you look at Jesus, every time you read the scripture and you look at Jesus, you can put yourself in his shoes and, and, and think this way. You read the scripture through this lens. If I'm fully full of the Holy Spirit, I can be just like Jesus. You know, we've been separated from God. That's why we, we sin. But if you let the Holy Spirit work in you and transform you, you will be just like Jesus. We act, you will behave just like Jesus, full of compassion, full of love, full of power. But here's the thing about Jesus. He, he said only what he heard the Father saying, and he, he did only what he, he, he's seen the Father doing. His, his relationship to the Father was so close And the, what I want to look at this morning is in Matthew 3, at the end of the chapter 3 and, and the, the chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted. And that's really the, 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 mis, the scripture I want to look at for the talk today. Um, Jesus' journey in life, chronologically, it's a model for us to follow. And... Let's read it first. Um, actually, let me just mention it for sake of time. Matthew 3, verse 17. You see Jesus um, getting baptized. And just that is a different topic. I'm not going to dive into it. But Jesus being baptized. Why does he have to be baptized? You know, that's a different question. But John the Baptist himself looked at Jesus coming towards him and said, I'm not worthy to baptize him. And, and Jesus said, I have to get baptized. And he said, unless I get baptized, you don't partake with what I have. Is Jesus has to be baptized. It's a different question. But I believe the why he has to be baptized is because there's a, um, a chronology in the life of Jesus that is a model for us to follow. Jesus, until 30 years old, around 30 years old, just, you know, live his, his life like you and I. You don't see any miracle. You don't see any, I would say, signs of him being God. Except when he spoke at 12 years old in the synagogue, they were amazed by what he was saying. So you know he had a relationship with his heavenly father, but miracles didn't start yet. Then you see Jesus getting baptized, and when he goes under the water and come back out of the water, open the, the, the um, heaven open and the voice of the father speak over him. This one is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And here is your father who look at the son, his beloved son and affirm with its word who he is. This one is not just my son, is my beloved son in whom I'm delighted. I'm, I'm rejoicing. I, I'm proud of. I'm, you can feel the excitement of the Father. Remind yourself, when you read the scripture, you can be just like Jesus as you follow this different step. As you die and get baptized, when you come back to new life, means restoration in Christ, you're restored in your relationship with God, you can hear the Father speaking over each one of you, each one of us. You are my beloved child 
in whom I'm well pleased. And I will tell you, for me personally, but I know is the cry of humanity, we are longing to hear these words more than any other words. In fact, I believe that all the TV we watch, all the, the sin we fall into are, are only for one reason, is that our heart is longing for peace, for joy, for love, love for approval, for affirmation, for, for being celebrated, for being, feeling, at, you know, wanted and uh, celebrated. I think our, the depth of our heart is longing to hear Father looking at us and rejoicing and, and saying, this one is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So you see Jesus here hasn't done one miracle yet. It means that all of us here, we might feel the pressure. I need to perform miracles. I need to, I need to, to bring the kingdom. I need to lead people to Jesus. I, I need to do more. At church, they keep telling me to, to, to do more. I need to read more of my Bible. Well, if you follow Jesus' model, you don't see him doing more ministry. He, in fact, he hasn't done any ministry before he heard these words from the Father. This one is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This month, the topic is identity. And it's not just a theme because it looks good or because it's fashionable. It's a foundation that if you don't get that first, everything you're going to build on is going to go sideways. You're going to do all the right thing for the wrong reason. If your heart is not rooted in that affirmation from the Father. That's, that's the truth I wanted to bring this morning. I was like buzzing during worship. It was such an anointed set. And, and my second point when I'm going to uh, uh, Lillian, of course, prophet in the house, just cover that point, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to it now. But, but the first truth I want you to get is your heart and my heart, our hearts, is longing to hear one truth. is the eyes of the Father looking at you and saying he's proud of you and that you are enough before you've done anything. Because God wants you to do because you're loved, not for love. Once you know you're loved, you can do all the things he asks you to do for the right reason. If you don't know he's proud of you, you're going to do all the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Jesus is a perfect example. And if you keep that story of Matthew uh, 3, verse 17, if you go to the next chapter, verse uh, chapter 4, right after... Jesus heard the voice of the Father saying he's proud of him. You see Jesus fasting for 40 days. Different topic as well. Fasting would be another sermon. But 40 days fasting, who here think you'll be starving after 40 days? Yes. Right after um, these 40 days, the Spirit take Jesus in the wilderness now it's dry, it's hot. We have a bit of a taste of what it's like nowadays, like lately here, doesn't it? By the way, I'm just like, I'm from the south of France and I feel home here at the moment. 
so hard lately, but it's great. Love it. Jesus is in the wilderness. It's very hot. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. And Satan come to tempt him. And I heard that these three things that Satan tempted him with, I heard many messages growing up about this confrontation between evil and good, between Jesus and Satan. And I always heard the thing that we are the weakest on, that's where Satan come and tempt us, tempt us on, which is, is a point, is a good point. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Satan come and said, if you read the Son of God, turn this stone into bread and eat it. Well, of course, he's going to present bread when he's starving. Okay, good point. But I never heard, I kind of like blank the first part of, if you're really the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. The temptation of Jesus is not in his flesh of eating food. The temptation of Jesus is to doubt who the Father said he is. If you're really the Son of God. And the tone of voice of Satan here echo what you can hear in Genesis when, when uh, Eve, Adam and Eve um, speak with the, the, the snake, with, the, with Satan, and he's tempting them. Same tone of voice. Did God really say you can't eat that fruit? And what did, he, what did he do in Genesis? Same thing. It's like, God just know that if you eat that fruit, you're going to become like him. He's attacking Adam and Eve on their identity. Just a few verses before, you see God say, let's create them in our likeness. That's their identity. They are, they are made like God. They, have done, they haven't done anything yet. They just look like God. And God is proud of them, and they have communion. They look like God. Can you imagine that? And Satan come right after and say, he doesn't want you to look really like them, so that's why he's saying, don't eat the fruit. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Satan attacked Adam and Eve on their identity. When Jesus came in his weakest time, and when he got a chance to talk to, to Jesus face to face, Satan just went after one thing. Did the father, what the father said, is it really that you're the son of God? If you believe what the father said, well, if you believe it, turn this, this stone into bread and eat it. This morning, I'm, I don't want to just like, def, like give a good talk of what identity is and, and let's, let's, you know, work on, on declaring who we really are or doing some medicating what we feel about ourselves. That's not my point today. My heart this morning is, and I feel burning inside of me, is that we as a church forget that we live in a battle. And that's where Lillian was spot on this morning, is, is we forget as Christians, oh, that there's, there's a battle going on over our heads. And I'm actually feeling really bothered about it. And I was so excited to speak this morning because the Father spoke to each one of us. That's why you're sitting here. Hopefully you met Jesus and Jesus reconciled you to the Father and the Father told you who you are. But there's one enemy 
who look at you and hate you. And as, as human being, and I keep falling in that trap to think that my neighbors, my spouse, my, myself are my enemies. I look at myself in the mirror, I don't like what I see. We have an argument with my wife, we, each other, we blame each other for the, we are the problem, she's the problem. And the Bible is very clear. We don't have to fight flesh and blood, but all spiritual reality. When you follow the life of Jesus, you see that there's one enemy and your enemy, my enemy, is not people around you, is not people with, of different race or different gender, is not people of um, different social status, is not Christian or non-Christian. As human being, there's a battle of our head to define who you are. And the only one who can tell you really who you are is your heavenly father. The thing that Satan used a lot first is to hide, but then he used people around us. And because our heart is longing for father to speak into us who we really are, Satan hates families, he hates fatherhood, he hates motherhood, he hates healthy marriages, and he's coming to us to attack us on, on to turn against one another, you know, to divide us. We are all in the same boat, friends. When it comes to identity, there's one battle to be, to be fought. is to listen to the Father, to hold on his words, to nurture ourselves with his words, to let him father us. Jesus died on the cross to see you running to the Father's arms and to get a huge hug and to let him whisper in your ears why he created you. And if you experience that as I did, 2009, I came as a student to the School of Ministry that was the biggest revelation and transformation. I stay on the floor for hours listening to the Father. I had a massive identity issue. Didn't know what I like, what I didn't like, who I am. But the Father was speaking over me. And, I, and to let him father me was a challenge. Why? Because your earthly father, the word father is loaded with your experience of what a father looked like. So depending on what a father looked like to you, you're going to want God as a father or you're not going to want him as a father. Let me, let me just bring perspective again on that fight over our heads. Satan, in the, in the word, I don't see a lot of descriptions about Satan. I don't find chapters and chapters about Satan's. And I believe it's because God doesn't want us to focus too much on him. He wants us to be aware who is him, but he wants our focus to be on him, knowing who he is, and, and worshiping him, and being known by him, and listening to his voice. But Satan would be like a lion that roar, but can't reach us. But think of this. That's the context we live in. Our human experience is before any of us were here, before creation, Satan, from what we, we, we know from 
uh, I think it's Isaiah, um, in Isaiah you see Satan was um, the most beautiful archangel who led worship, but he saw God and he wanted to be God. Think of this. He had an amazing position in heaven. He saw God face to face every day. He was a leader in heaven. The proof is when he got cast out of heaven, and again, I don't like to talk, talk too much about Satan, so it's quite rare for me, but listen, when he got cast out from heaven, a third of angels came with him. That's, so yes, you know, he deceived a third of angels. That's all we know from the scripture. Here's my point. When Satan got cast out from heaven to be fully rejected, to be away from the presence of pure love, pure joy, pure peace. He got cast out, and a bit later, I don't know how long later, God was like with Jesus and the Holy Spirit together speaking like, hey, let's create man in our likeness. Satan wanted to be God, God cast him out, and then he created you and I just like him. What do you think Satan sees when he sees you and when he sees me? He sees what he should have had, what he wanted, what he, you know, I want you to be God. They're like God. And he's the rejected, the one who has been cast out, and he's so jealous of you, and he's so, he's so, angry at you, and if he can steal, can kill and destroy, he will use everything he has to make sure you don't know who you are, to make sure you don't know who is your father, because if you know, he's in trouble, because he knows who has authority, is your heavenly father. If you know your daddy, if my little girl, when she knows who she is, she knows what I would do for, for her. When she was three, three, three days old, I went to the store. I'm a pretty kind, nice guy, but it's the first time I felt the, the potential to, to kill someone. Someone, the, she was three, three days old, and with a stroller, someone just bumped him, uh, just a bit to grab something on the shelf, and was like, <gasps> and you can feel inside, it's like, that's my precious girl, no one would touch her, you know? The father is looking at you and, it, and he knows that Satan hates you. And everything that comes against you is not because of anything else than because of Satan who is jealous of you. Your safe place is in the arms of the father, listening to his voice, nurturing yourself with whose, who he say you are and whose he say you are. You belong to your heavenly daddy. He can't wait to give you a big hug. So much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for you to have access to him. It's not based on what you have done or what you haven't done. By grace, you can run to him and let him hug you. So this morning, I would like to pray together. As Christians, we transform this world if we walk in, in whose the Father says we are. So would you stand where you are? We'd like for a minute. Oh, actually, just stay seated. You would be more comfortable. Sorry about that. 
I, I think, and for anybody uh, at home as well, if you take a comfortable position, I want you to hear what the Father has to say today. And I have two things that burn in my heart. One is that I feel that for some of us, what a father looked like has been misrepresented. And when I speak as God being a father, you're not sure if you want him to father you because father hasn't been a good experience for you. And some of you, even what you believe today, you know that the way your father treated you has affected the way you see yourself. And the, be the, the beauty of the gospel is that God wants to heal our hearts and redeem all of that. So Holy Spirit, would you uh, ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I ask you to show in our hearts any lies, any hurt that came from our earthly father, that, that misrepresented who you are as a father. This morning I feel angels that want to come in the room and remove blockages in your heart to receive the words that your heart is so longing to hear that the Father is proud of you, that is delighted in you. But there's a blockage because of your negative experience with your Father. So would you, and we can all do that because no dad is perfect. Would you, um, would you look at your earthly dad or your experience of your earthly dad and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you what is the thing that you received, what, what your earthly dad communicated to you that had created hurt or ungodly beliefs that is damaging the way you see yourself. So let's do business just between you and God, is between you and, and, and the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit show you. Did my dad say, I love you? Or did he, did he not say, I love you? Did he ever say something positive? Was he more of a quiet person? Was he absent or was he too angry? What are the things that your earthly father has said over you? Or again, your dad, your earthly father is not your enemy. He gave you the best he had, but, your, but Satan come in between to bring division, and that's what we're dealing with here. As you see the things from your earthly dad that has affected you negatively, would you forgive him right now? And I want, you, I want to help you participate in that. And if you have a memory, if you have something that you feel, you know, is a challenge between you and your dad, I'm gonna ask you to be vulnerable and most of us have something to work on in our hearts, but would you stand where you are for us to pray together? If you're like, I need to forgive my dad. It could be minor. It could be, oh, he missed my birthday once. You know, I don't know. But something that affected your heart. Would you, would you stand where you are if, you're, if the Holy Spirit is showing you, yes, there's still thing between you and your dad. is affecting the way you relate to me as a father. Yes, well done, well done. Keep going. And for some of you, you, maybe your father is sitting beside you and that's, <laughs> you know, that's not blaming anybody. I know we're all protective of our father. 
but it's just no father is perfect. And this morning, I want to remove blockages that help you hear your earthly father saying, your heavenly father saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. So let's all pray this together. Um, would you say, just look at your earthly father and we say, Father, I forgive you for everything you, you did that, that hurted me. And for all the things you haven't done that hurted me, or haven't said. And for some of you, I ask you to, to make that action. If there's words that hurted you, negative word that your dad spoke over you, would you take that as an arrow from your heart and, and unplug it, take it out of your heart? I remove any arrow that hurt my heart and, and pull it out of your heart as a prophetic act. And Father, we thank you that you're good, good Father. Lilian was speaking about being, Jesus being a good shepherd. Well, the Father is a good Father and our heart is longing to hear his voice. So let's all stand together. And I want you to ask the Father to speak over you right now. Let's take one, one minute just where it's between you and the Father. And I remind you the real identity, the real you, is only revealed by God the Father. So Father, I ask you to come now and speak into our hearts. Give us a picture, give us some words, and speak in our hearts words that we need to hear. And as you listen to the Father, I just want to say that I want to invite you in a journey to know God as a father, to let him father you. Jesus is not jealous. If anything, he died on the cross to see you being back in the arms of the father and to see you being restored in your relationship with God as a father. He's not asking you to perform in any way to make him proud. He's already proud of you. And I feel the heart of the Father bursting this, this morning for each one of you to say, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And the voice of the Father wants to be louder and louder. And Lilian didn't know I was speaking this message of fighting for whose we are. And that's exactly what she prayed for, for our ears to hear, because the... The foundation of a thriving Christian life is to know who we are in Christ, to know whose we are, because the Father and, and God paid a high price for you to hear his voice. So hear his voice this morning. Hear him speaking over you. And let me speak the heart of the Father over you. Son, I'm proud of you. Daughter, I'm proud of you. You look just like me. I'm not blaming you for anything. The blood of my son cover all sin. But I'm longing for a heart to heart with you. I'm longing for your heart to know that I'm proud of you. 
I'm longing to see these lies that the enemy brought over you to be removed, that you're not enough, that you're ugly or whatever he's saying. I'm telling you, you look just like me. I'm proud of you. I'm longing for connection with you. I want to play with you. I want to have fun with you. I'm delighted in you. I, I feel the excitement of the Father as he's looking at you. So if you close your eyes, would, would you ask him, Father, reveal your love to me? If we can have some music, maybe that would be great. Father, I ask you to come around the room and wrap your arms around each one of us. Some of us, we are aware that we need a big hug from our heavenly Father. So the Father is saying, I have a, a plan and a future for you. I have a plan and a future for you. Some of you need to hear that again. The Father is saying, I have a plan and a future for you. You're not a mistake. I created you because I wanted a son just like you. And I wanted a daughter just like you. The tenderness of the heart of the Father is ferocious, is fighting for you. As you pay attention to what he says, in the storm of all the information we have of what we should be, or what we should do, that still small voice of the Father for you is what will ground you in that peace, that joy, that love that he has for you. Some of you, I see the Father gathering angels around you and boasting about you. Do you know that the Father is boasting about you? Look at what she's done. Look at what he said. He's proud of you. He's not angry. He's not mad at you. He's not staring, staring to all the, the, the thoughts, the, 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 the thing you do or don't do. He's looking at you and he sees Son Jesus in you. And he see that he's proud of you. So I wash from you this morning and you need to perform to please God. And I declare over you, you're approved. You wanted. He's proud of you. He's delighted in you. You know, some of us are, in our hearts, we feel almost uncomfortable of I don't know if I want a hug from a father. I build my own life and I'm pretty fine, thank you. The father is asking you this morning and I'm going to leave you with this question. Would you let me father you this week? Would you let me father you today? When Jesus died on the cross, we are co-heirs with him. In 1 John 5, it says, we are children of God. That's who we are. Your identity is not what you do. Your identity is your son and daughter of God in whom 
is well pleased. He doesn't hold anything against you. He's delighted in you. And as I'm speaking, let your heart receive his affection this morning. The Father has so much affection for you. He so loved the world that he sent his only son. He'll, he so loved the world. Friends, the Father is delighted in you and your heart need to hear it again. And I'm going to say it until you believe it. The Father is proud of you, is delighted in you, is rejoicing over you, is passionate about you, and is looking for connection and relationship with you. Father, I pray that you will bring dreams and visions of who we are and whose we are. And as the enemy come to steal, kill and destroy, we'll rebuke him and push him away to be able to hear and focus on your voice that remind us of who we are. And in this battle, Father, ask for your grace and, and for your Holy Spirit to guide us. We hope you encounter God and we're inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.